Welcome back to the Neuroaffirming Parent Podcast. I'm your host, the Neuroaffirming Parent, and this is episode two of season two. And today's episode, we're going to talk about fostering positive mindsets in a neuroaffirming homeschool setting. So what is a neuroaffirming mindset? I like to think of these attitudes as something I can embrace early in the morning as a homeschool mom and kind of how I can invite my children into the space early in the morning and get them ready to learn for the day. And I think this is important because I know that it has to be kind of like a low demand mindset. And also I want them to be comfortable. I want them to know this is a routine. I want them to expect it, but I don't want them to fear it. And I know there's like a sweet spot of that. So parents and educators, welcome. Listen up. Um, I think these are not hard to think of, um, but it's just about embracing flexibility and adaptability. This is not new. This is something we've been doing since my kids were born. Um, And how do we incorporate flexibility? So I don't exactly force them to wake up immediately at a certain time. We don't have an alarm bell that goes off. Usually the first one to be up is always my husband because he has to be off to work. And then I slowly wake up after that. And then I slowly wake my kids up. Um, Usually it's always my daughter first because she's up and ready for breakfast. And then my son's usually the next one to wake up. So once we're all up, it's not that hard to get them on a good, like that's like wake up time is like their most positive time, especially after they've eaten breakfast. Um, The hard part is keeping that energy up throughout the day. And so how we do that is what I've learned from my daughter's virtual school observing that was a lot of brain breaks. And noticing the cues of, you know, when they're starting to bicker, when they're starting to argue. And, you know, just to say that simple, like, okay, let's take a break. Or, oh, get a water break. Or, you know, oh, bathroom break. And the good thing is that they're older now, so their routines are a lot more on par. So usually that break comes at lunchtime. And then after lunch, um, I usually plan for PE or art type of activity to happen. So, because I know like in the morning is like the most brain function that we're going to have between me and the kids both. So <laughs> I don't put it all just on them. Um, but it's also about nurturing a growth mindset, knowing your strengths and your challenges, knowing your limitations and understanding that, you know, we are going to make mistakes. We are human and mistakes are just learning opportunities and that, you know, failure is not the end. Everybody fails. You learn from failure. That's how you grow. You shouldn't be afraid of failure. And that goes into self-compassion and self-esteem. Like I've noticed like my daughter this year, I I had a fear that her experience in school would kind of hinder her ability to homeschool just because she was predisposed to these negative attitudes and experiences from adults that she was supposed to trust and look up to. And her brother didn't have that experience. So he doesn't have the same 
decoding issues that she exactly had because he was never told, look at the page. He was never told, well, just guess. And he was very encouraged his entire life to keep on trying. Um, And so my daughter, she really surprised me because I know growing up, my sister kind of resented me a lot just because her school experience wasn't the same as mine. But my daughter is very supportive of her brother and she's a very good role model for him. So if she sees him struggling, she remembers in her own memory of when she struggled and she'll cheer him on and be like, okay, come on, you can do this. And if he draws something really well, she'll be like, oh, that's so good. And it's just wonderful to see their relationship grow because then my son in turn does it to her and he'll say, good job. And, you know, they cheer each other on, which just makes me feel good because I know it's not performative. They're not doing it just because I'm in the room. Like I hear them in their room when I'm not even near them say these certain things. So it makes me feel better as a mom. But when it comes to (sighs) mindsets, will they always feel this way? I don't know. Um, I know the older my daughter gets, um, you know, she sees a lot of teenagers and she looks up to her aunt that is older and she is very tall for her age. So she doesn't look like her age group, but we had to sit her down the other day and tell her like, girl, you got like nine years more of being a kid before you even dream of being a teenager. You know, I'm sure you're going to have like the full on tween years, but calm down. And I think it's hard, especially when, you know, there's asynchrony involved. She knows she's very intelligent and she knows there's certain things she can do, but she knows there's still things that she has to learn. And I mean, a lot, I'll be honest, like in this world, who knows with ChatGPT and certain, you know, technology, will she have to learn everything that I had to? Probably not. Um, I also, you know, our family, we are not afraid of screen time and we're not afraid of calculators. So I taught her the other day how she can double check her own work with a calculator. And it's funny because in this homeschool manual that I thrifted the other day, it mentions that, you know, there it's important to have structure and it's important to have rules and boundaries, but it's also important with that flexibility to adapt and change and grow with the times. So for me, it feels disingenuous when we have the freedom of a homeschool of like, yeah, why would I limit my kid to some arbitrary rule that is for a public school setting or a private school setting? And she doesn't have those limitations. If she's going to learn her math facts faster from making an error and seeing how she can self-correct, yeah, I'm going to let that happen. I'm not going to think, oh, well, the calculator taught her. You know, chat GPT is teaching people left and right. So <laughs> a little digital computer isn't going to hurt her. But I think that it gives me hope because I know I'm not alone, especially that I'm back on Instagram and I see other families. And, you know, I even read in a lot of books that Montessori is very neuroaffirming and it's foundational practices and I'm not huge on like I know there's like a whole Waldorf movement for me like I stray away from any buzzwords that has like a huge price tag on it but I love that I can go to the Dollar Tree and they have way more Montessori aligned materials now and especially seasonal products like I remember when they first started advertising like felt Christmas trees or any like felt anything on 
Amazon or like any major like online website, it was like 50 bucks or it was like some extravagant price for some boutique, um, bougie little baby kid store, right? And now at Dollar Tree, like they have like, it's not obviously not the same, but it's like a smaller size. But like we got to do felt gingerbread and felt snowmen and felt Christmas trees. And it's something about that tactile making something with your hands and then being empowered of first being a toddler oh it just sticks because of the felt and then being a kid oh you get to use the glue sticker and oh you get to be trusted with the actual school old school glue um oh you want to put some glitter on it like (laughs) the graduation of doing the same activity but it's the differentiation between age groups I'm really learning that balance as a homeschool mom just because my son very much so sees his big sister and wants to do the same exact thing that his big sister is doing but she knows and I know we're not going to sit there and tell him like well you can't do that we'll be like you'll eventually be able to do that but right now let's talk about your goals and your challenges and your strengths and let's work on what you can do. Let's not focus on what you can do. And that goes back to our strength-based parenting just because we want to empower the children to learn. We don't want to beat them down and show them, oh, well, you don't know this. We're born into this world not knowing anything. The fact that we teach ourselves to walk, talk, breathe, blink, or anything to survive is a marvel in itself. So why make it even harder to just exist in this world? I don't get it. But I'm so grateful for these opportunities that we have in the morning and I don't have to rush out the door. I don't have to stress about what I'm going to throw on because I'm going to be judged at the car drop off or the car pickup or, oh my goodness, what crazy holiday is it today? Does she have to wear all green? Does she have picture day coming up? Oh my goodness, what if her hair's not brushed? What if she didn't want a bath last night? Will we get judged? Will she stink? Will she smell? It's all these like anxieties that I had last year are gone. And if we want to do some of the traditional things, yeah, we can have a celebration day anytime we want. If we want to have a Dr. Seuss celebration, we can. If we want to, you know, just revert back to alpha blocks and review some of that, we can. If we want to revert back to number blocks and review some of that, we can. There's so much freedom that I am grateful for. And I didn't realize how much I appreciate it as a mom. And I'm also appreciative of these past like Thanksgiving break and winter break that we had. And then I got to plan it around my husband's work schedule so he can see their growth as well. Because I know there's a lot of families where if the husband doesn't have those breaks, he probably never sees the children's growth. And I don't think that's fair for them either. Um, and it really just tears at the seams for me of like, how are we a society that claims to be, you know, oh, pro-life, oh, pro this and pro that, but you don't support the fundamental family that you need in order to be pro-humanity, pro-life, pro-kids. And it's just interesting, the dichotomy, because I don't think it's all from one place. I don't, I wouldn't say that 
you know, it's all politics or it's all religion or it's all ideology or all class. I think there's a complex issue of a lot of people saying, well, I'm doing fine. Let me not worry about my neighbor. And usually we don't worry about things until they happen to us. And I know a lot of people will say that's individualism, but I think it's the opposite. I think it's the collectivism of just understanding that I'm okay and I'm a part of the collective of people that are okay. So these others are the problem. These little marginalized communities, oh, they need advocacy, not me. I'm a part of the majority. I don't need a problem. Like it's the minorities that have all these issues until you start seeing, oh, the uptick in special education kids and the uptick of IEP kids and the uptick of, oh, that minority that we thought was silent, they're getting pretty loud. They're buying a bullhorn now and they are telling us we need to listen. Um, so I'm seeing that shift happen. And I think, well, I hope that 2024 is the year that people do listen to homeschool families, even if we're quietly just in our home doing our own thing or whatever. But I'm really grateful for the online community that I've seen and the other homeschool moms I get to learn from and that inspire me and share activities and share, you know, certain things they're learning about and studying. And I'm just so grateful to be here in this space at this time. But I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to episode two of season two, the Neuroforming Parent Podcast. Just please remember that cultivating a positive attitude toward learning in this world, whether you choose to be a public school, a private school, a homeschool, any kind of school, lays the foundation for a nurturing environment. So until next time, this is the Neuroforming Parent signing off.